Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning. My name is Pastor Cal, and it is my privilege to welcome you to our online service this Sunday morning. Now, did you tune in to our virtual foyer? If you haven't had a chance yet, uh, you can tune in 15 minutes ahead of our service start time and just chat with those who are also online. Say hi to people maybe that you haven't seen for a while uh, or you haven't had a chance to speak with. So take advantage of that opportunity. Now, this Sunday, September 13th, would have been our kickoff Sunday. And so we would be welcoming you through our new main doors here. You'd be putting name tags, our colored dots, and a barbecue uh, would have all been part of our day's proceedings. But most importantly, we would have taken time to share with you our vision and our strategy for this upcoming ministry year. Now, because you're online, we won't be doing name tags, dots, or the barbecue, but for the next four weeks, we will be sharing with you our renewed vision and strategy. And Pastor Layton is gonna get us uh, started this morning. So. Over the next several weeks, whether you're watching as a family, with a smaller group in an extended household, or Sunday here in person at the church building, don't just watch, engage with us so that we can move forward together as a church family. And yes, starting this Sunday, we are gathering in person and many of our ministries are also going to be announcing reopening plans in the coming days. Now for more information on how to register for an in-person service and what to expect when you arrive, Check out the two videos that are available on our website, as well as on our various social media pages. Trusting that you have a great morning as we worship together.
would offer his only son. Who else invites me to call him father? Only a holy God. Only a holy God. Come and behold him. Come and behold me. Cry out, sing holy, forever a holy God. Come and worship the holy God. Come and behold Him, the one and the only. Cry out, sing holy, forever a holy God. Come and worship the holy God. Come and worship the holy God. Come and worship the holy God. You are good, you are good when there's nothing good in me. You are love, you are love on display for all to see. You are light, you are light when the darkness closes in. You are hope, you are hope, you have covered all my sin. You are peace, you are peace when my fear is crippling.
Now, before Pastor Layton brings us a message from God's Word, I thought we should take time to come together and to unite our hearts and spend some time in prayer. And allow me to lead us. This past week, many of our students and our teachers and administrators returned to environments that are uncertain. And so I thought we should focus our prayers on them. Now, that doesn't mean if God doesn't bring something or someone to mind that you shouldn't pray for that as well. And again, let me encourage you, if God does bring someone or some situation into your mind and you can send a message or a text or even a phone call to encourage them, I would ask you to do so. But let's join our hearts together in prayer and, uh, and let's bring these things before the Lord. Heavenly Father, it's good to be able to gather together, even in an online format, to pray and to come before you and to pour out our hearts before you, knowing that not only do you listen, but you respond to our prayers. And Father, remind us that prayer isn't about calling you down to us and asking you to do the things we want, but it's about drawing us near to you so that we can do what you want. And Father, we know you have a perfect plan and you're playing it out in this world, and you, we know that as God, as our Father, you long to lean and bend an ear toward us and to hear the cries of your children. So thank you for that incredible confidence and boldness we have through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, this morning I want to specifically pray for our students, for our teachers, and for the administrators who have returned to school this past week. And Father, in the midst of these uncertain times, they are walking into significant uncertainty with health issues, with uh, logistics, and, and, and um, other issues that are facing them. Lord, I pray that your spirit of peace would just overwhelm them and help them to realize that you are still in control, that you are holding things in your hand. And Father, while we do not want to act recklessly or irresponsibly, we can trust you that this is still unfolding as you see it and you are working out your purposes. I pray for the health of our students and our teachers. I pray that they would have good interactions with each other despite the uh, protocols that have been put in place. And I pray for a good season of learning 
for each of our students, not only so that they will have more knowledge as they move forward, but so that they would understand more and more who you are and who you've shaped them to be. So Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to pray on behalf of others. Thank you that you hear us. And Lord, this week, we uh, ask that you'll continue to guide our, our, our students and our teachers and just help them uh, set an example as they move ahead. Father, for those who are believers who are walking with you in this time, give them a sense of common peace that will uh, be demonstrated to those who are around them. And even through this pandemic and all the uncertainties surrounding it, use us to bring forward your glory. Father, thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'll now turn the time over to Pastor Layton as he leads us through God's word. Well, good morning, Ebenezer family. Pastor Layton here. I'm glad that you're able to join us today from wherever you happen to be. Now, if this was a normal year, today would be our big annual fall kickoff Sunday. There would be an exciting buzz throughout the whole building. Our worship center would be filled with people. Pastor Chet and the worship team would be behind me singing lively and loudly. And you'd be able to feel the energy and excitement as our church family connected with those who are new to us and reconnected with friends who they hadn't seen over the summer. <laughs> but as you know only too well, this year is anything but normal. And this morning, I want to explore this strange reality that we still find ourselves in as a province and also as a church community. And I want to share a vision for this season of disruption that's going to help us move and grow together so that our church will flourish in every way. And by that I mean we will flourish in our relationship with God and will flourish in our impact and ministry to the world and will even flourish in our love and care for each other in this socially distant environment that we find ourselves in. Now, as I look in the rearview mirror, I find it hard to believe that six months have already passed since we made the call to shut down our in-person services and move online. In those early days, I don't think any of us on staff thought it would be six months before we reopened our doors again. And even now that we have, with all the restrictions and protocols, it's still not the same as it was. You know, six months ago, our worship center was filled with people. Today, it feels empty. Six months ago, our church calendar was packed with program opportunities for every age. Today, it's bare. Six months ago, our building was bustling with activity every single day. Now, for the most part, it sits idle. It's remarkable how these three things have defined us and many other churches over the last 50 years. Our Sunday morning worship services, our weekday ministry programs, and our beautiful buildings where all those things took place. That is until a little bug that we can't even see came to Canada and pulled the carpet out from underneath us. As church mystiologist Ellen Hirsch writes, whether we like it or not, whole societies have found themselves thrust in the midst of a major recalibration that reaches across all domains of society, from politics, economics, social dynamics, religion, and everything in between. And we all implicitly, if not explicitly, know that 2020 is going to be proved to be a uh, defining year in world history. Now, just consider all the things that have changed in our lives over the last six months. Our normal routines have been totally disrupted. Our relational connections have shrunk dramatically. For many, our work rhythms have totally shifted. And for some, jobs have been lost due to the economic slowdown. 
and then add to this global pandemic worldwide protests over social and racial injustice, and there's little doubt that the events that we are living through are world-shaking, and they're world-shaping. And as a result, people of all ages, from all walks of life, are living with this heightened sense of anxiety, with fear and confusion, and this uncertainty that's hovering over them. Nothing is normal for anyone, and the church has not gone unscathed. One article I read last week stated the church has changed more in the last six months than it has in the last 60 years. Now, I know for us, there's been a steep learning curve as we transition from in-person to online. Those first days were, were focused on shepherding our people through this enormous crisis, but at the same time, trying to figure out the technology to do just that. And then as it became apparent this crisis was not going to end quickly, church teams like ours had to totally rethink how to do ministry in a way that we've never done it before. Pastor Kelly probably said it best. He had returned from a speaking at a men's retreat on the very weekend that the COVID crisis hit. And he said to me that next uh, week, he said, everyone, everything I've learned and known and taught about ministry for the last 30 years has changed in the last three days. You know, but like most of you, we eventually settled into a new rhythm. We became more comfortable with the technology and our, and our ministries continued to reach our church family and beyond. Which, which, by the way, is one of the upsides of this crisis. We are now reaching people we never would have reached if this disruption had not happened. Someone reminded me, everyone we need to reach is already online. And now, as we begin to reopen and we look into fall and beyond, we still face some challenges. We face the challenge of navigating through all the government guidelines of responding to the diverse opinions and comfort levels of our church family, of managing the expectations and, ex and perspectives of others as to what church should be and what we should do as pastors. Now, I don't know about you, but this last six months has really forced me to think deeply and differently about the church. And it's forced me to rethink some of my deeply rooted views and practices. You know, for example, one of those deeply rooted values is that the people of God gather together for worship. For me, gathering together is central to what it means to be the church. And so, one of the questions I've been wrestling with in this season is this. What is the church if it doesn't gather together on Sunday? You know, can we really call ourselves church if we don't gather together in person? After all, doesn't the scripture say in Hebrews 10.25, don't forsake meeting together as some are in the habit of doing? Well, yes, it does, but let's just explore that just a bit further. In the original language of the New Testament, the word used for church is ecclesia, and it literally means an assembly, a gathering, or a congregation of called out ones. And that's what the church has been doing since day one. This last week, in preparation for today's message, I read through the entire book of Acts which is the story of the formation of the church. But I read it uh, through the lens of a, of a church pastor to see how they did church. Now, here's some fun facts about the early church. It grew from 150 people to 3,150 people in a single day, which would have been very exciting, but also very chaotic. And the apostles were thrown into this full scramble mode as they tried to teach and disciple all these new converts most of who were tourists who had traveled to Jerusalem to attend a religious festival. And we read kind of what they did in the amazing passage in Acts chapter 2, which says this, 
It says, and they, meaning the new converts, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And if we continue to read that passage, we would see how and when and where they did this. Verse 46 tells us this. They said, every day. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they also broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, again, remember, the church was literally days old. They had no church building to meet in. They had no church programs or systems in place to organize their discipleship strategy. But they found a way. And they made it happen. They devoted themselves or they committed to meeting together in the temple complex. Don't think building, think like our parking lot. As well, the believers from Jerusalem opened their homes to feed these new believers and celebrate the Lord's Supper together. They didn't have time to organize it or prepare for it. It was organic and somehow it worked. People shared what they had so that everyone's basic needs were met. And this pattern of meeting together in the temple complex and in believers' homes was the way people stayed connected. It was the way they grew in their faith. And it was the way they told others the good news of that Jesus Christ was Lord. This is what it says just a few chapters later in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 5, it says, Every day in the temple complex and in various homes, they continue teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And if we just kind of do a scan of the book of Acts and some of the letters, we'll see that in Acts 2, they met house to house. Acts 5, house to house. Acts 8, house to house. Acts 10, Cornelius' house. Mary's house. Acts 16, Jailer's house. Uh, Titus Justice's house. Acts 20, house to house. Priscilla and Aquila. You know, are you seeing a pattern here? People made it a priority to gather wherever and whenever they could. In public spaces and in private homes. And near the end of Paul's missionary journey, Paul summarizes his strategy in the practice of the early church. And this is what he says, You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. But I have, I have taught you publicly from house to house. So, what's the lesson for us? What does this mean for us? Well, first it means that just because we haven't been able to gather in person, it doesn't mean that we've forsaken meeting together. That verse is meant for those who willingly and intentionally choose to put other things in front of and over meeting together with the people of God. And by the way, whenever a person disconnects from the body of Christ, they actually put themselves at great risk of disconnecting from Christ himself. Now, most of the time, they don't think this is going to happen, but usually it does. So that's why in this next season, we're going to ask you to establish and commit to a new weekly rhythm of meeting together with other believers to worship God and to grow in Him. Now, for you, that might be attending in person here at Ebenezer. For others, that might be forming a new cohort of friends, your own little Ebenezer bubble, and opening your home or joining someone else in their home to watch the weekend service together and to be the church. Or for others, you might feel most comfortable staying within your own family circle. But if you do, we want you to be intentional about the discipleship of your family. You know, we are the church. Whether we gather together under one roof here at 107 McWillie Avenue, or whether we gather together in a home with our family or friendship bubble. Now that leads me to a second question I found myself asking. If the church can be anywhere and everywhere because it's the people and not the building, then what's this? Like, what, what's the building? And why 
Did we so sacrificially invest in building and expanding it? Now, before I answer that, let me give you a quick theological lesson. The temple in the Old Testament was of huge importance to the people of God. It was the dwelling place of God, or at least where, where God came and met with his people and where his people could come to meet with him. But when Jesus died, the role of the, the temple would have forever changed. Do you remember what he said to the Pharisees? He said, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it in three days, which would have been impossible to, if it was bricks and mortar because that took years and years to build. But Jesus was talking about himself, that he was the new temple. The people would now be able to meet with God through him and as once and for all sacrifice on the cross and not through the temporary sacrifice of animals which have been their practice. Paul goes on to say that we are the temple of God. He says in 1 Corinthians 3, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives in you? You see, because God dwells in here for those who invited him to be the Lord of our life. And by the way, uh, that's why we call this place where I'm standing our worship center and not our sanctuary. This room and this facility is not where God dwells. He, he dwells in here. So then what's, what's this? You know, what's the point of this building? Well, it's a resource for us to use. It's, it's a tool or instrument that helps us accomplish a ministry that we believe that God has called us to. It's a tool that helps us gather together, maybe not the way we want to right now on a Sunday morning, although that's going to happen again, but it, it helps us to gather in smaller groups right now. And by the way, the timing of our new facility addition could not be better. And we're going to be able to minister to people in smaller groups, properly social distance because of it. It's a tool that's going to help us care for and disciple our children and train and disciple our church family. And this is a tool that helps us serve our community. There's a third question I've been asking myself. And that is, uh, what is a church if there are no ministries or programs? You know, things like children's and youth programs or CNC or women's ministries or marriage groups, whatever that is for you. You see, our programs often define us and the values that we have. Our programs are what we have historically poured our energy and resources into. We hire staff around our church programs because they become our primary method for delivering and carrying out our ministries. And so if our programs are reduced or they're no longer offered, how are we going to reach out to our community and minister to others? And what about the Ebenezer staff team? If they no longer have programs to lead and, and administer, what are they going to do with their time? Listen, God has called us and he has given us the gifts we need to do what he wants us to do. So how do we know what he wants us to do? Well, we pray. And as we pray, we learn to listen for him to speak to us. We learn to recognize the Holy Spirit's promptings in our lives. We, we become more attentive and watch for opportunities that he brings before us. And then we step out in faith and we obey. Colossians 4 puts it this way. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. And then he says a couple of verses later, live wisely amongst those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Okay, what about the staff? What are, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to do what we should have been doing all along. In Acts chapter 6, we see that the apostles came to the realization very quickly that they couldn't do everything. 
And if they tried, they were going to frustrate everyone. And so they made a strategic decision to do the most important thing. This is what they said in Acts chapter 6, verse 2. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers, and they said, We apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Spirit of Wisdom, and we will give them this responsibility. Then we, apostles, can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. The result? It says in verse 7, So God's message continued to spread, and the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. And so, the apostles spent the time teaching God's Word and seeking the Lord in prayer. Then in the book of Ephesians, Paul adds a third essential part to the job description of those who are called to lead, and that's to equip the people of God. It says this, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers, and their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, which is the body of Christ. You know, we're going to work hard to do this this next season. We've already placed in our church calendar several training and equipping uh, events. A seminar on how to hear God's voice is coming at the end of October. A seminar on how to lead others well in your home is coming this month. And other seminars are going to be scheduled too. This is something we've been talking about doing for several years. And I'm excited about the opportunity God has opened in front of us that we can do that now. Now, there are other questions that we have been asking, but I don't have time to address all those today. But we will over the next three weeks. Let me just conclude by saying, uh, I believe this next season is going to be a defining and a refining season for us as a church. This COVID slowdown presents a wonderful opportunity for all of us. Now, do I want to gather together again as a church? Absolutely. I long for the day that we can do that without fear, without masks, singing together and enjoying the presence of God's people. But do I want to return to the way things were? Absolutely not. In fact, if we do, I think we'll have missed the mark. So here's what we're going to be asking of our church family this next season. First of all, we want you to establish some new weekly rhythms when it comes to church. And you're going to be asked to choose and commit to one of three strategic Sunday morning tracks that will help us keep meeting with others. Now, you can choose to come to the worship center and join us in person. For now, that is only one service, but starting at Thanksgiving, we're going to be moving to two services. Or uh, you can choose to form a Nebuchadnezzar home hub or a bubble group and meet in someone's home or find another place where you can meet and be properly social distanced. We'll be sharing more about this in the coming weeks, but the idea behind this is much more than a watch party where you come and view a service and then leave. It's it's about being a community together where you have conversations around God's Word and you pray for each other. It's a place where you're going to care for each other and, and share meals and laugh together and then go and minister to others as a group together. Or the third option for you, the third track, is you can choose to stick with your own family circle. But if you do, as I said earlier, We want you to disciple your family. Now, our our disciple, our speaking team is going to be putting together weekly sermon discussion guides. Pastor Joel and Pastor Lynette will be helping develop questions and activities that will help engage your children and also your teenagers. The second thing that we are going to ask of you is that we want you to embrace 
the training and equipping opportunities that will be offered to you this next season. These are going to, these are going to be wonderful opportunities that are going to help you grow in your faith and in your ministry impact around you and in the world. And then the third thing we're going to ask you is to be intentional about your relationships with God and others. We're all going to have to develop some new habits and some new practices to make sure that we stay connected. And we're going to do our best to facilitate this, but you're going to have to take on some of that responsibility yourself and make the move to be part of a smaller community that will be able to love you and encourage you and stretch you and help you grow. Now, over these next three weeks, we're going to look at the DNA of the church so that whether you gather in person here or gather with others in another place or stay at home with your immediate family, every one of our congregations, every single church is going to have a common DNA. And this is going to help us to stay together. It's going to help us move together. And it's going to help us to minister together, even if we meet in different locations with different people. We really are many gatherings, but we're one church. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this day, that you would uh, love us and you would call us to be your children. That's remarkable. Thank you for this season that you brought upon us. And help this not to be a season of disruption in our lives, but help us this to be a a season of opportunity, a season of tremendous growth where you meet us and where you speak to us and when you help us to learn and grow and what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and to proclaim your kingdom, that you're king. So, Father, guide us, I pray, that you would help us to be unified as a church by your Spirit. Give wisdom to those who lead. Help us to love one another and to be committed and devoted to the things of God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, thanks again for being with us today. Uh, I am really excited about this next year. I think it's going to be a great year for us, and I And I believe this is going to be a year we're going to look back on and say that God was with us and that we're going to see tremendous growth in our lives. We're going to see his kingdom continue to expand. So have yourselves a great day and we'll see you soon. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you, and thanks for listening.